Hi. <laughs> I'm Susan Shepherd. I'm a member and a volunteer here at First Parish in Cambridge. Some of you know me very well, and others are meeting you for the first time, meeting me for the first time. I'm meeting you for the first time. I'm not used to reading things, so I'm used to just saying whatever's on my mind, so be a little patient, as you, those of you who know me know that. Um, but in any case, it's nice to see you all. And I wanted to do this reflection because I wanted to share with you the faith that I have found for myself over the past 14 years here at First Parish. And tell, I'll tell you, I can't believe it's been that long since I first came into this meeting house. I've become an old timer, I guess. In spite of coming to church together every week, more or less, uh, most of us seldom speak about our faith. The one time I can recall this topic coming to the surface is the last time we were in search for a senior minister. In 2007, we did a congregation-wide survey. One question was, which of the following viewpoints comes closest to your own? Check no more than two. There were 16 choices plus other. Uh, that particular question came directly from a UUA guide. Surprise, most of us call ourselves humanists. I served on that search committee, and the main complaint we heard from people about that question was that they could only choose two. Apparently, I was not the only one whose faith was perhaps multidimensional. But the survey did give me a chance to think about where my own thoughts and feelings placed me. I too am a humanist. I believe in people. So what does that mean to believe in people? Interesting how we use the word believe. Typically when it comes to speaking about faith, we ask, do you believe in God? And the first supposition is that the question is about whether I think God exists. But when I say I believe in people, it means something different, since we are pretty sure that we exist. Because what I mean is that I put my faith in people. I am trusting my soul to humans, and I think that people also feel the same way about God. Humanism, at least the way I see and want to practice it, is a faith-based activity. It is not the absence of faith. It is not the absence of a religion. In fact, some days it may be much harder to believe in people than in God. Although I consider myself a pretty smart person, intellectual stimulation is not the only thing I come here for. I am a believer. I want to be more than what I can think intellectually, and I need more in order to live in this world. I don't think there is a hierarchy between rational thinking and faith. Some humanists have posed reason versus faith, and there can be a tinge of arrogance in that, the assumption being that somehow reason is better than faith. And for me, this has been a problem for humanism, big H, and Unitarian Universalism. As Karen described in her sermon a few weeks ago, the humanists in Tulsa held their own, quote, service on Sundays and they described it as reasoned commentary relevant to life in the here and now. I too believe in reasoned commentary, but I also have a faith, and that is my belief in people, whether that seems rational all the time or not. The ability of people to make war and kill each other certainly tries my faith in humans. On a personal level, making decisions in life can sometimes seem to come down to a kind of cost-benefit analysis. 
the rational choice. But a belief in people calls for a different paradigm. Why give money to that person sitting in front of CBS? Why have that difficult conversation with someone who is angry about Black Lives Matter? Because I believe in people. And sometimes I have to do something that may not benefit me directly. I have taught children's RE here, religious education, for many age groups. Let me highly recommend this activity, particularly if you worry that you have no idea what you're doing. Um, you will learn a lot. Trust me, I have. When I was involved with the coming of age group, which is the seventh, eighth, ninth graders, more or less, there was a section of the curriculum where we discussed whether people are intrinsically good. Is that what our first principle means? The inherent worth and dignity of every person? Are people intrinsically good? Or do people have worth and dignity no matter what? Are we intrinsically evil? Oh yeah, some people believe that. Some people believe, also believe that we require strict rules and a punishing God to keep us in check. But that's another interesting talk we could have. There are a lot of interesting things we could talk about, but I have to go be a little more linear. Um, I said that I thought people were intrinsically good to the kids. Well, of course, the kids like to challenge me. They always brought up Hitler. So finally, I just took Hitler off the table as too easy an argument, an extreme example. I wanted them to focus more on their own day-to-day -day lives and people. I wanted them to give people the benefit of the doubt. I can only hope I gave them something to think about. It certainly gave me plenty of fuel for thought. For me, I found that maybe I was answering the wrong question, good versus evil. What I found I believed was that with very few exceptions, people know right from wrong. We just don't always do it. Good versus evil is too all or nothing, and frankly, not very helpful in navigating. Believing this about people may be difficult right now. Over the last few weeks, I've certainly found many opportunities on the global scale to struggle with my faith on people. So much violence and then the words that come after, the blaming and the fanning the flames of hate. There's so much work to be done to move more white people to understand their black and brown neighbors. But in the end, I think it can be done. But one of my personal campaigns is to get away from all or nothing thinking in all parts of my life. For example, saying something to myself like, if I can't have ice cream, I won't go on vacation. I have just eliminated sugar from my diet. Ooh, yikes. So watch me in coffee hour, okay? Keep an eye out. And then comes vacation, two weeks on the Cape. How do I cope with all those ice cream stores? Do I stay home? This sounds silly when I say it out loud, but how many times have I been in that state of mind and subsequently deprived myself of something really good because I didn't want to do the hard thing too? This is where, I am with, this is where I'm at with people. I have moved away from a dichotomy of good and evil. People are people. Our history on Earth has shown that we as humans have a wide range of possibility of action. Just like you might say to your kids, we just need to make better choices. So I believe in humans in the same way that people believe in God. I don't have to wonder if humans exist. No, not in that way. But in the way that I rely spiritually on humans, 
I see the power in our humanity. I see the love. I'm counting on all of you humans to propel my spiritual journey. I've come a long way to this, and I want to share some of my journey with you. I was born into the Catholic Church, and I took it all very seriously, probably more seriously than anyone in my family. I was raised to believe in God, but I was also raised that we are God's people here on earth, and that God is in every one of us, including me. I was also raised in fear. My grandmother, who I lived with, along with my mother and uncle, immigrated from Poland, having no education at all. We were Polish immigrants living in a very tight-knit community centered around the church, Our Lady of Częstochowa in South Boston. I went to the same grammar school as my mother and her siblings, but when they went, it was all in Polish. I was not allowed to learn or speak Polish at home. I was also told to fear and stay away from the Angielski, which means the English, but I think my granny meant the Irish who spoke English and surrounded us in our neighborhood. We did not participate in any city programs because we knew they were not meant for us and we were not welcome. Thus, I was raised to understand that people were divided into us and them. Just before high school, I found out I was gay, or at least I finally had a name for my feelings. And that is an experience that made me step outside of my little world, knowing that I was never going to fit in. But then what? Where do I belong? Had I become a them? During this time, and this may sound ironic to some people, I found my faith in God to be a comfort to me. God loves me, and I am made in the image of God, so how can I be evil? But still, where do I belong? Afloat from my roots in my church, I found politics. With that, I found love. Hi, honey. I found friends, and there is where my spirit was located. I had my little family of three, Marsha, Peter, and me, our neighbors, our friends, our comrades in struggle. This community and the politics made things very clear to me. It explained so much of what I had seen, heard, and experienced in my working class life. Why both my mother's and uncle's factories had closed. Why blacks were subject to systematic discrimination and how working class white people were being used as the racist tools of capitalism. I had a new us and them, and I finally belonged somewhere. My spirit was in the struggle, both personal and political. I became gritty and abrasive, always ready to fight, always an edge, always tinged with fear of the other side, always looking for who was the other side. So how did that change? Well, fast forward, uh, I left my job, we moved to Cambridge in order to provide our dyslexic son an opportunity to learn to read. 10 years in, after 9-11, Marcia says she needs to be in a place like this church where people will not be warmongering and spewing venom, where people sought justice without hate. So we arrived here. I was afraid to be here, afraid to be with nice people, that I would feel like a bull in a china shop, afraid that you would be them. But I came and I stayed. Of course, Marcia was here to protect me, and it has worked for me. 
Justice without hate, an appealing thought, something that would relax my spirit, yet keep it fed. I knew it was time for a change, a time to learn to fight the good fight for justice without the baggage of personal animosity, to learn to be with people in a new way, to eliminate the all or nothing thinking that comes with dividing the world into us and them. Not long after arriving at First Parish, Ernie Kerwin, and I'm glad to see you here, Ernie, um, a very longtime member, approached Marsha and me. I really can't remember the context or if there even was one. He came right up and told us he was glad we were here and we would be good for First Parish. I sincerely hope he still thinks so. <laughs> um, it was just amazing to have that kind of affirmation, particularly for me. Several years later, there was a controversy, and we don't have that many here at First Parish, which is great and amazing, surrounding the Middle East Education Group. It is a long story, and one that I see as an example of how our covenant of right relations was put to the test and succeeded. Maybe not everybody feels that way, and I think it would be a great conversation to have someday. I threw some fuel into the fire at that time based on my past experience of union meetings, which are really different from congregational meetings, you know? Um, I was all up for let's get everything out on the table, sort it out, vote, and move forward together. Whoa. Um, uh, but there were so many people with many diverse feelings, not just thoughts, about the issues at hand. This was not just a political debate and not the same type of struggle at all. People were personally vulnerable and hurt from their own past experiences. And so I really learned the difference between a group that comes together for a political agenda and a congregation. We are here for more, more understanding, more love. We're here to learn how to treat each other, even during the struggle. And thus, I learned to consciously try to take the energy I wasted on that chippiness and channel it into loving fiercely within this congregation and in the world. We here at First Parish are in a covenanted community together. We have a covenant that we read earlier today that describes our aspirations. We have another covenant of right relations that says when we engage each other, we will assume the good intentions of others, among other things. Whoa, wouldn't that be fantastic in the larger world? Let's process that for a minute. Assume the good intentions of others. Anybody who watches TV recently, it's a struggle. That's what I call a leap of faith for sure. Don't let anyone tell you that Unitarian Universalists are not believers. So where is my spirit now on the journey? It is here with you. I say I'm a humanist because I believe in humans. I believe in you. I believe in our collective power to change the world for good. But I also believe that we feed each other's souls in ways big and small. Since being here, I've aspired to listen more and listen better to the souls of others, both here and in the rest of my life and I trust others to do the same with me. This is my spiritual practice of believing in humans that anyone can practice as well, no matter what other beliefs you may have. Struggle, yes. Work towards justice, yes. 
but as long as we are speaking to each other, my spirit tells me that in every conversation, we can find love in the space between the words. Now, let us spend a moment alone together, pondering all we share, the air we breathe, the earth that feeds us, these people who are here together today. We call upon each other to share our souls, to join together to make a world of love, to save ourselves and all the humans. Let us spend a moment alone together in silence, pondering all the love we share. Okay, let's sing. <laughs> 